Media. We're on a Wednesday night Bible study. We're in a live audience. Everybody say hello. Woo! A lot of fun tonight. I'm David. This is my lovely wife, Joanna. There's the Queen's wave. And we are going to have a great time tonight. I had a dream about this message that I was supposed to preach this message. And the Holy Spirit was waiting for this message to be preached that he could then confirm the word that is preached with signs and wonders following. So I just had this dream the night before last, and so I woke up, I've got to preach this message. This message is entitled, Five Types of People Who Received the Holy Spirit in the Book of Acts. Five different types of people. The Book of Acts records five different types of people who received the infilling of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And you fall into one of these five categories. So who qualifies based upon the Bible for the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit empowerment? You do. And you do. And you do. And God wants to give it to everyone. If I could just briefly deviate from the five for a second, I want to read to you Something very interesting. It comes from the Philippine study. And the Philippine study years ago was a study that was a survey. And here's an excerpt from a recent article. And recent meaning years ago when I actually wrote the book, What the Bible Really Says About Speaking in Tongues. So this five types of people who received the Holy Spirit from my book. So the Holy Spirit article was written by Larry Kreider, International Director of Direct or International Director of Dove Christian Fellowship, a worldwide network of churches. A survey was taken in the Philippines. And the reason I'm sharing this is the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an empowerment that's available for every believer. And you say, well why would I need that? Well you're about to find out and I'm glad you asked. A survey was taken in the Philippines sometime back, which found that each Christian who had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the Philippines brought an average of 36 people to Christ compared to the one person led to the Lord by each Christian who had not received the Holy Spirit baptism empowerment. Why? The Spirit-baptized Christians had the power of God in their lives to witness with greater effect prophetic gifting, signs, wonders, miracles, demon-casting power, emphasis added. The article goes on to explain the difference, and I want you to hear this, the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation and being baptized in the Holy Spirit can be explained like this. You can be led to a pool of water and drink from it. Receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. Or you can jump fully into the water and be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's the same water or Holy Spirit, but you have a completely different experience. So this isn't the haves or the have-nots. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You've got the drink. But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you live in the pool 
of that water and you can splash it on other people through prayer, impartation, etc. So there's five types of people that receive the baptism and the Holy Spirit. They jump in the pool, not just drink from the pool. The first type is the prepared in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So the prepared, and we're going to go into each one of these, but some people like to take notes. The prepared, Acts, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Number two, the open. Are you open? Mm -hmm. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. Number three, the antagonistic or hostile. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 11. That's number three. Number four, the unlikely. You might be unlikely to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but guess what? It's coming. Acts chapter 10, verses 45 through 48. And the fifth type of people who received the baptism, Holy Spirit empowerment in the book of Acts were the uninformed. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. So I'm just going to read them again. The prepared, Acts 2, 1 through 4. The open, Acts 8, 14 and 15. Number three, the antagonistic or hostile, Acts 9, 1 through 11. Number four, the unlikely, Acts chapter 10, verses 45 5 through 48. And number five, the uninformed. You may not even know there was such a thing as the baptism of Holy Spirit empowerment where you cannot just drink from the pool, but you can get in the pool and swim in the pool, a river that flows from the sanctuary, like it says in Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 through 11. And trees are on both banks of the river that flows from the sanctuary, and they bear fruit 12 months a year in their leaves or for the healing of the nations. When you're a tree planted by the water, your fruit will not fail, nor will your leaf wither. Regardless of what type of person you are at this time, I believe God fully desires to fill you with the Holy Spirit today. As we are in this atmosphere, and as God gave me that dream, and the Holy Spirit was waiting in the dream, and when I began to preach, He, I, he was shown to me as a person in the dream, was symbolic. And as I began to preach in the dream on this matter, he got into position, and as I preached, he got up to come in to confirm the word with signs and wonders following. He's going to baptize you. He's going to throw you in the deep end of his presence and his love tonight. And you're going to go from leading one person to the Lord to 3,600% increase and be able to throw the crowns at his feet on that day. How many want to be more effective in carrying Jesus into the world? Because Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And Peter's shadow shone out of Peter. It was Christ in him shining out. It wasn't Peter's shadow. It only would have worked on a sunny day. So let's get into this teaching in more detail. God always confirms his word. Come Holy Spirit. Five types of people who receive the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. The book of Acts records five different types of people. Five. You've got five fingers on a hand. 
Number one, the prepared Acts 2, 1 through 4. Number two, the open Acts 8, 14 through 15. Number three, the antagonistic or hostile Acts 9, 1 through 11. Number four, the unlikely Acts chapter 10, verse 45 through 48. And number five, the uninformed Acts 19, 1 through 6. Number one, the prepared. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. Our first book of Acts example where God's people receive the infilling or baptism with the Holy Spirit, baptism in the Holy Spirit, the second blessing, the empowerment, whatever name your denomination has given it, whatever name, the culture group or ethnicity or language group that you have, it is the empowerment. Tarry here, wait here, and you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. 50 days after Jesus was crucified, it was Pentecost. It was the Sabbath. The 120 were prepared to receive the Holy Spirit promise. Jesus had breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit before he ascended. Well, why would they be waiting for the Holy Spirit if he said, receive the Holy Spirit? Because they got a drink on one day, but they're about to be thrown in the swimming pool on this day. The 120 were prepared to receive. They were in a 10-day time of prayer and fasting, hiding in the upper room in Jerusalem. And they were in an upper room waiting on God in prayer when the Spirit of God fell upon each of them. Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Suddenly, bam! When you least expect it, he shows up and he encounters you. And there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared unto them. They saw it with their eyes. Divided tongues as of fire and one tongue of fire sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other dialects, as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Powerful. And because of this empowerment, the first century church was birthed. And these same disciples or apostles, 120, wasn't just the 12, it was also women that were up there, and they were in a 10-day prayer meeting, and when they got the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, they came out and preached 10 minutes and 3,000 got saved. That's the difference between being baptized in the Holy Spirit and just having a seminary degree. And I've got a seminary degree, but thank God I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I got the degree afterward. I didn't get it before. I don't care whether you get it before or after, as long as you got the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen? So, when they came out with tongues, it wasn't languages that they knew. It was unknown to them. The original Greek word for tongues there is the dialectos in the original Koine Greek. And it's the word dialect. So, it was known to the hearer, but not known to the speaker. It needed no interpretation because tonight we have a woman from Brazil who's in the congregation. We have friends from Puerto Rico. We have people from 
Israeli backgrounds. We have people from different language groups in this room. And if I began to speak in those languages by the Holy Spirit, other people standing by would not know what I would say, but the person who heard me speak in their own known dialect, their dialect, they would need no interpreter, but they would know truly God is among us because they'd look at me and go, how does that guy speak my language in a perfect tone, accent, and dialect? And I wouldn't know what I was saying, but they would hear me declaring the wonderful works of God. I've actually encountered that with a Hispanic man named uh, Juan Carlos. Juan Carlos was in the prison cell with us. This happened in Oklahoma at the transfer center there. And the year was, I think, about, I don't know, I did 20 years. I can't remember what year it was now. <laughs> so many miracles God did. And we were in a prison cell, and Mark was Jewish. And he was raised on the Torah. So he'd been bar mitzvahed. He read Hebrew, wrote Hebrew. He understood Hebrew. And as Juan Carlos was praying, he, Juan Carlos spoke English and Spanish. And he was from Puerto Rico. And all of a sudden, he began to speak in tongues. And because, you know, I've got a Hebrew background, I recognized he was praying and singing in tongues, but it was known dialectos, not known to Puerto Rico. Carlos, who spoke English and Spanish, but known to Mark, who was raised on the Torah. And as we're praying, Mark looked up. What is this Latino doing, speaking fluent Hebrew and singing the high praises of God from the ancient Psalms of Israel? And it was a sign or a wonder. And Mark had been born again, and he had been born again in a denomination that didn't believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, didn't believe in the sign gifts, didn't believe in the modern-day empowerment of the book of Acts promise. You know, if, if, if God started it this way in the book of Acts and he always saves the best wine for the last, brothers and sisters, what we're about to come into is going to make the book of Acts look like a Presbyterian picnic in comparison. <laughs> so get, get ready, get prepared. And so I carefully said to Juan Carlos, I said, Juan, I said, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah, in the presence of God was in the room. I said, do you... Uh, I said, how many languages do you speak? He said, well, I, I speak, you know, two. He says, my English is not so good, but yeah, I speak Spanish and English. I said, oh. I said, do you speak any other languages? And he said, no, I don't. I said, did you know what language you were praying in? And he said, no, I was just praying in, in tongues. I just felt that, that unction, and then I began to sing in tongues. It felt so good, and it just bubbled out of me. I said, hmm. I said, do you speak any Hebrew at all? And he said to me, well, I know a couple of words. And I said, like, like what? He says, like shalom. I said, you mean shalom? <laughs> and Mark's eye widened. He realized this guy doesn't speak any Hebrew compared to that perfect bell tone dialect. And I looked over at Mark. I said, Mark, did you recognize what language he was speaking in? He says, yes, I heard him declaring the wonderful works of God in ancient Hebrew. In fact, when he began to sing, he was singing from the Psalms of Scripture in perfect Hebrew when I grew up 
in Hebrew school. And that moved Mark to be open because of this sign or wonder for him to seek the Lord for his baptism in the Holy Spirit experience. Because at that time, he was born again, his name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, going to heaven. But God, and he had drank from the water of the Holy Spirit, but God was trying to get the river into him so that rivers of living water might flow out of his belly and go to the masses. So he could have a 36x increase on his effectiveness with evangelism, science wonders, that people might be encountered by the Holy Spirit. There's an old saying, the greatest witness and testimony that the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and all the other sign gifts is for today is the lifestyle and the empowerment and the character of those people who claim to have it. And the greatest deterrent to people believing that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for today is also some people's lifestyle and character or lack thereof who claim to have that. So preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. <laughs> Let people see your light so shine before men they might see your good works and praise your Father which is in heaven. And if you have a lifestyle that's in alignment with the Lord and the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, and the peace, not just the gifts of the Spirit, the empowerment, then people will want what you have. But if you've got a lifestyle that's inconsistent, they'll question whether or not that thing is real as well. Okay, so the first word, the prepared, Acts 2, 1 through 4. The second were the open. Are you open? The Samaritans were open to receive the Spirit's infilling. Acts 8, 13 through 17. In fact, these Samaritans, which are half Jew, half Gentile. So half Jew, half Gentile. So the Samaritans were kind of in two worlds. They're half Jew, they're half Gentile. So the Jews rejected them because they're half Gentile. And the Gentiles rejected them because they're half Jew. So they lived in a town called Samaria. So they were in between. Were you Jew or were you Gentile? The answer is yes. So they didn't receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit at water baptism, but rather seven days after they were water baptized. Listen to this. But when they believed, Acts chapter 8, verse 13, when they believed, and by the way, you remember when Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. It is needful that I go through Samaria. And he goes to the well in John chapter 4. And he runs into a Samaritan woman, a half-breed, half-Jew, half-Gentile. And he says to her, can you give me something to drink from the well? And she says, you're, you know, you're a rabbi. You're a man. What, what are you doing asking me? It's not appropriate for our Jewish rabbi to speak to a woman, let alone half-Gentile and half-Jew. And so she's drawn into this conversation. He says, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me to give you something to drink that you might have a well of water springing up under everlasting life. You'll never thirst again when you get what I have to offer you. And she begins to say, well, we know Messiah come. He says, I speak plainly unto you. I am he. So who does Jesus reveal himself to as the Messiah? Not to the Pharisees, not to the Sadducees, but to a half-Jew, half-Gentile in Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. She got so excited, she says, I perceive thou art a prophet. And he says, 
go get your husband. And she's like, I, I don't have a husband. He says, you're rightly saying you, you've had five husbands and the man you're with isn't your husband. Then she says, oh, I perceived I were a prophet. She immediately shifts it from her issue to, oh, wow, let's become religious. Jesus brings it right back. Anyway, long story short, because of this word of knowledge, this encounter that this Samaritan woman, half Jew, half Gentile, has with Jesus, she realizes he's the Messiah. She goes into town and tells everybody. She becomes the first evangelist in Samaria. She's a woman that Jesus reveals him. Isn't this beautiful? And so then others came and because half the town believed because of what she said, the other half came and when they saw for themselves, then they too believed. So when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in Acts chapter 8 later on after Jesus is crucified, buried in the grave, he's raised from the dead. 50 days later, Pentecost happens. Acts chapter 2, the spirit empowerment, 3,000 get saved. They get thrown in jail over that one. By the way, the Holy Spirit empowerment will cause controversy. Yeah. Because a preacher's job is to comfort the trouble and to trouble the comfortable. <laughs> and it's sometimes the anointing in you will annoy the demons and other people. They stoned Stephen to death for casting out demons and for healing the sick. And they gnashed their teeth. They came at him in one accord. They stoned him to death and he saw... Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And he says, gave up the ghost. And he says, Lord, do not count this sin to their charge. And I can just see Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God. Instead of sitting down, I can see something got him up. Look at Stephen, Dad. Check it out. Look how much of me is in him. The same thing I said on the cross. Forgive them. They know not what they do. He's saying, don't charge them with this sin. Look how much of me is in him. Dad, let me go down there and answer his prayer. We'll bring him up for a martyr's crown. We'll give him the reward. But let me go answer that prayer for him. I'm going to meet Saul on the road to Damascus next week when he's going to kill more Christians. And I'm just going to go ahead and lovingly lay hands on him. Give him that little chin check off that high horse of pride. We'll blind him by the light. Maybe we'll take three days where he's got no sight. And then let's send Ananias, who's not even an apostle, to go lay hands on him that he might receive the Holy Spirit. And the scales will fall off his eyes. And let's call him into ministry. I say because of Stephen's prayer, we have Saul, who knows all the Old Testament so well. Let's flip him for salvation. And let's have him write two-thirds of the New Testament and affect billions of lives in the future for the next couple of thousand years. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> so, but when they believed, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon the sorcerer himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done by Philip. Was Philip an apostle? Maybe so. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he, the Holy Spirit, had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts 8, 13 through 17. Question, did anyone lay hands on him in Acts chapter 2 when they received the Holy Spirit? No, it came like a sound, like a mighty rushing wind. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, and it rested upon each of their head, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a sovereign move of God in response to a prayer meeting and a prophecy from Jesus. Terry here, wait here, Acts 1.8, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The word power in the original language there is the word dunamis, dynamite, miracle working power. When you get the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you get miracle dynamite power that will catapult you through every line of the enemy's defense. It empowers you to do the works of Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 12 through 14, the works that I do, you shall do also. The same works. In fact, he says, even greater works will these than these will you do because I go to the Father and if I go, I'm sending the Holy Spirit power. And I'm taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave from the devil. I'm going to descend, and I'm going to ascend, and ascend, and I'm going to hold, held, bring captivity captive in my train. And I'm going to remove the devil's power, his authority, and I'm going to give you the power and authority of the Holy Spirit. I'm resetting things, like the Garden of Eden in a way. Before Adam gave it up, I brought it back. And even as in one man's sin, Adam, sin entered the world, and many were... Even so as one man's righteousness, the second Adam, or the last Adam, Jesus, so all that come to him are saved. Okay, so Samaria is approximately 30 miles. Here's a little hermeneutics for you. Samaria is approximately 30 miles from Jerusalem. Now, we get on the turnpike now, 30 miles, 30 minutes, unless it's traffic, could be 45. You're really getting moving, maybe 25. But back then, they didn't have the toll road. They didn't have the autobahn. They didn't have the Porsche. They didn't have the moped. They didn't have the skateboard. They hooked it on these feet. They had sandals. And so Samaria is approximately 30 miles from Jerusalem. 2,000 years ago, most people walked wherever they went. Not everybody had that Cadillac donkey like Jesus came in one day. The average walking distance in daylight during that era was about 12 and a half miles in a day. People didn't walk at night because it was usually too dangerous. After they believed, the Samaritans believed and were baptized, Acts 8, 12, they sent for the apostles to lay hands on them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. I'm going somewhere here. For this to occur chronologically, it would take a minimum of two or three days for the trip one direction because they couldn't just send a text message. Right? They couldn't do a Zoom call. Pray for them that way, which you can do now. For this to occur chronologically and geographically would take a minimum of two to three days for the trip from Samaria to Jerusalem and two to three days back from Jerusalem to Samaria, meaning there are times when there is a delay between when the person who believes in Jesus and is saved drinks from the Holy Spirit and is born again. Their name is in the Lamb's Book of Life versus receiving the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Jesus. So you shall receive power, dunamis miracle working power, that you might be my witnesses. The word witnesses there is the word martus. We talked about dialects, known languages. Unknown to the speaker, but known to the hearer. We talked about dunamis power, dynamite miracle working power that comes from the Holy Spirit that will empower you 
to be martus for him. Witnesses is in the English language. In the Greek, it's martyrs. You'd be willing to die for his name. That's the power we're talking about. And that's the power you need. I think it was 168,000 were martyred for Christ worldwide last year. An 18 to 21 year old girl is the most common evangelist in China, in the rural areas. Her prayer, when she goes out to evangelize, is not that she'll find a husband that's a doctor or a lawyer. But her prayer is that when she's martyred for the name of Christ, she won't give up her faith and won't break weak. That's the power. So, meaning there are times when there's a delay between a person believing in Jesus, being saved, drinking the water, and his or her receiving the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to become witnesses, martyrs for Jesus, being swept into the water. Have you received this empowerment? Tonight is your night. Today is your day. If you're hearing by audio or watching by video, today is your day because the Holy Spirit's going to march in and baptize in you in the Holy Spirit empowerment. Have you been delayed? Do you want it? Ask him. Number three, antagonistic and hostile. Number three, the five types of people that receive the Holy Spirit. The prepared, the open, and here we've got the antagonistic and hostile. The Apostle Paul, originally called Saul, was antagonistic and hostile against God, the gospel, his church, and the Holy Spirit. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women committing them to prison, Acts 8.3, New King James Version. Stephen even died at the hands of Saul. Now Saul was consenting to Stephen's death, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Stephen, the disciple, turned mighty man, turned evangelist, turned martyr, turned prayer warrior, turned the attention of Jesus to get off his throne, seated at the right hand of the throne of God, to stand up and say, Dad, this is my version. Dad, check it out. Let's answer his prayers. Let's knock Saul off his high horse of pride on the road to Damascus and set him free from his Damascus friends. Okay. When being stoned to death, Stephen prayed for his persecutors, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then Stephen knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, Acts 7, 59 and 60. God answered Stephen's prayers for this antagonistic and hostile man in need of salvation by sending Jesus to visit Saul on the road to Damascus. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that he, if he found any who were of the way, those that were naming the name of Christ, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus and suddenly a light shone round about him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Acts 9, 1 through 6. Do you think God doesn't speak to non-believers? He absolutely does. 
in response to your prayers. Saul, Paul, received the baptism in the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands, Acts 9, 9 through 18. Two things are worth noting here. The vessel God used was a man named Ananias. Ananias was not one of the original 12 apostles, but rather a convert turned disciple. Second, there is no evidence that Paul immediately spoke in tongues when hands were laid on him. Scripture does say, however, that Paul received healing from blindness when this occurred. Paul received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and healing simultaneously. I've often seen this when people get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've seen people with developmentally disabled children, when their children get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's like they, they grow up three or four years or five years in maturity, just like in a matter of weeks. God just like heals their mind where they were developmentally disabled. I've watched this on different occasions. I've seen people get baptized on the Holy Spirit. They don't even know they got healed. The, the sickness just left their body. Demons just left their body. Old stinking thinking left their body. This is the beauty about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit baptism, not just drinking at salvation, but diving in to the river of life. Scripture does say that Paul received healing and blindness when this occurred. Paul received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and healing simultaneously. This is a common occurrence in many people I've talked to and who accept this free gift from heaven and immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight Then he arose and was baptized. Notice that Ananias didn't prick. The bottom line is this. He went to go do one thing and God gave him both. Sometimes you go to pray for baptism in the Holy Spirit, they get healed. Sometimes you pray for healing, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you pray for them to be delivered from demons. As the demons come out, the power of God comes in to keep the demons out later. Then he arose and was baptized. Verse 18, Acts 9, 18. Although there's no evidence of this passage that Paul spoke in tongues when he received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we do know from Scripture that Paul was an avid tongue talker. Years later he wrote, For I thank God that I speak with tongues more than all of you. 1 Corinthians 14, 18. So whether Paul received tongues as the initial evidence of the Spirit's filling is not important for purposes of tonight's teaching. What is important is that Paul spoke with tongues at some point. In fact, he claimed to speak in tongues more than anyone. How did Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, write two-thirds in the New Testament? I believe he prayed in tongues so much God gave him an utterance and an outflow with his ink pen. I know a man who's written 60 two books he prays in tongues and then they come right out on paper i was just with him down in um phoenix we were he's speaking in event i was and that's the way he does he just prays in tongues he writes one book a month and they're good books and it's holy spirit revelation but he prays in tongues I, i've written 15 books every one of them came from either a vision or something the lord gave me but they were birthed when i would pray in tongues and I would pray, and then all of a sudden they birth forth. I'm not talking about automatic writing. It's not the way it happened, but it would bubble out of me. And when I would all of a sudden get to a point to where the, the, the anointing wasn't there, there wasn't an unction anymore. It's like I ran out of what was data entered in by the Holy Spirit as I prayed in tongues. And then I'd have to go pray in tongues for another hour and a half, two hours, three hours, and all of a sudden another chapter would be birthed forth. When we pray in tongues during the day, we'll receive dreams and visions at night. Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. 
I can always tell when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody cuts me off in traffic, I'm filled. Oh, Lord, bless them. <laughs> oh, Lord, protect. I pray you would help them learn how to drive. Oh, Lord, I don't know what's going on in their life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm not filled with the Spirit. I'm like, judgment fall. <laughs> God says, you know not what manner of spirit you're of. So when your love level is not above a person's issue level, you'll be judgmental and religious. But if your love level is above their issue level, you'll be able to pull them up. So anytime you have that judgmental, angry attitude, then it might be time to get back to the prayer drawing board. Get back. Your phone needs to be back on the charger so you can have access to all the apps. And when you're, you know, the Holy Spirit... The gifts of the Spirit are always moving. We're just not always in the Spirit to move in them. Okay. Number three. Mic drop on that one. Number four. The unlikely. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. Now, so in the book of Acts, nobody lays hands on them. Number Acts chapter 2. They're prepared. Then, what happens? The Samaritans, they did have hands laid on them, didn't they? So one, no hands. The other hands... Now, the third time, Saul gets hands laid on him for healing of blindness. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. But now the unlikely. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. The Gentiles. So you've got Jew first. Then you've got Samaritan, which is half Jew and half Gentile. See, everybody qualifies is my point. Now you've got Gentiles. They got no scriptural history. They're pagans, heathens. The Gentiles were the least likely to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit because they were non-Jews. Nevertheless, God filled them too. This thing's for everybody. While Peter was yet still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all the Gentiles who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, the Jews, who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know it was poured out? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water? Wait a second. You mean it's not always water baptism first and Holy Spirit baptism second? Here it was Holy Spirit baptism first and water baptism second. Don't put God in a box. He'll kick out the end, step out of the box and tap you from behind on the shoulder and say, peekaboo. You know, by the way, God will never violate his word. He always works within the framework of his word, but he has no problem violating your interpretation of it. <laughs> Amen or ouch? Okay. Has he changed your theology a little bit from time to time? It happens when we have good neology on our knees before God. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized? Who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. To think that the, the apostles got a different Holy Spirit than the Gentiles or the Samaritans or the disciples that came after or the new converts is really an offense to God because there's one Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and He was sent to empower the believer to go share about Jesus. Now, there is a difference between a drink of it and diving into it. When they ask him to stay a few days, two things are noteworthy here. First, no one laid hands on these people to impart the Holy Spirit's infilling to them. 
And secondly, they hadn't even been baptized yet. God desires to fill you so much that he moves on you sometimes sovereignly and quickly. While Peter was yet still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the words. You know, I'm going to share something with you. You can be in a room and not hear the word. You can be in the room. The same gospel that was preached unto us was preached unto them, but it not profited them nothing, not being mixed in faith with them that heard it. Hebrews 4, 2 and 3. God wants you to be careful how you hear, be careful what you hear. Listen, he says. So all that heard the word received. You have an open ear tonight? Okay. I've witnessed the same thing happen in the 21st century. Truly, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Acts 13, 8. And the fifth group and the final, and then we're going to go through this and we're going to pray. Excited about this? He's coming in. Finally, 25 years. I can almost feel him saying, get done with the message. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Get out of the way, David. Finally, 25 years after Pentecost, God filled an uninformed group of John's early disciples at Ephesus. And it came and it, it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to him, to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, this ought to be the question in the American church today. Have you received the empowerment of the Holy Spirit since you believed? Or did you just get a drink? You're, you're heaven bound. Your name's on the Lamb's Book of Life. You're born again. You're washed in the blood. It doesn't change salvation for you. But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it changes salvation for people around you. Pretty exciting. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Acts 19, 1 through 7. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. God is so merciful in giving the Holy Spirit to those who believe. One might ask how these disciples could have missed this truth from the scriptures for a quarter of a century. A lot of the church has missed this simple truth. They're born again. They're going to heaven. They've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside, but they're not operating in the power. God wants you to operate in the power. He has no respecter of persons. He gets great glory out of taking an old jet thief and cocaine trafficker for the Colombian cartel. And in response to a mother's prayers, Jesus shows up in the cell. The glory comes in. I get baptized in the Holy Spirit 32 years ago. And now the gospel's gone around the world. Because I know I've been changed. Angels in heaven don't sign my name. He wants to do the same for you. If he did it for David Herobedian, if he did it for the 120 in the book of Acts, if he did it for the Samaritans, half Jew and half Gentile, if he did it for the Gentiles, if he did it for Saul, who's antagonistic and hostile and breathing out threats and murdering Christians, thinking he's doing God a service, 
And in response to Stephen's prayers, Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus. And if he does it for people who love the Lord and are serving them the best they could in Acts chapter 19, but 25 years after Pentecost, they had not even heard there was a Holy Spirit. If he did it for those five types of people, he will do it for you right now. How do I receive this gift or any gift from God? Simple, just ask in faith. And here's what I want to share. For those that have received Christ, you're born again. He's in. Your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. We want to give other people an opportunity who haven't. Number two, those that have already received, have not received the empowerment, God's going to do that for you tonight. And number three, those that already have received the empowerment, God's going to give you an extra dose. In Acts 2, they got the Holy Spirit power. In the Gospels, Jesus breathed on them previously. They received the Holy Spirit, drank. But in Acts 2, they got the Holy Spirit empowerment. In Acts 4, they got fresh fire. You know there's always more. How many want everything God has for you? Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion or a serpent? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? Luke 11, 11 through 13. It's interesting. People say, oh, be careful when people lay hands. Be careful of this and that. If you're asking God, God will do it in spite of the person. If you're asking God, you can be baptized in a prison cell in the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying go do a crime to get that. You can get it right here without a crime. You can either be in life, uh, you know, great role models or horrible warnings. Hopefully I've been both. Jesus told us to ask and you'll be given what you ask for, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be open for everyone who asks, receives, anyone who seeks, finds. If only you will knock, the door will be open. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Raise your hands unto the Lord. Just be open. And if you've never received Jesus, Jesus was hung up on the cross for you and me. He died for your sins. And on the third day, after he died, he was buried in the tomb on the third day. He was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you've never received Jesus into your life or if you want to rededicate, now is the time to say, Lord Jesus, I believe your work on the cross I apply it to my life. Jesus, come into my life. I hear you standing at the door knocking of my heart. And I pray now that you would come in and cleanse me with your power. Cleanse me with your fire. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. Change me. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Transform me. Give me a hunger and a thirst for the word say I turn from my old ways and I turn to you make me anew I start afresh and that's for if you've never received Jesus or if you're rededicating there you go and now Holy Spirit we thank you for baptizing baptizing Throwing people into the deep end of your love. Tossing people into the presence 
of your empowerment right now. Fill them. Where healing needs to happen, we ask that it would happen in sync, simultaneous. drinking from a bottle, but opening your mouth and allowing the water around you to fill and flood you, that you become one with Him, for in Him we live and move and have our very being.
previous version there you can always update but this mobile app is absolutely amazing what the Lord's put together it's about 30 years of stuff all tied in onto your phone with technology for accelerated growth on demand from the palm of your hand virtual church media download it today if you'd like to partner with us please do virtualchurchmedia.com. God bless.
God bless you. We'll see you next week.